0: Obviously,
1: you guys have got it by now. Pastor and a lot of people are not here. They're at the Bible conference, so our brother Brian is going to come a minister of the gospel. Let's give him a warm round of applause. Thank you. Go. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, Matthew 8, uh, 23 through 27. I'm going to read that in the New Living Translation. Uh, I've entitled the sermon, uh, Jesus in Your Boat and it sparked out of... I just ripped a piece of my Bible. Oh boy. Anyways. Okay. Not good. Not a good start here. Alright. Anyways, um, this actually sparked out of a prophecy that Alicia gave after um, a service during, I, I think, the last revival we had about Jesus being in our boat. And So, as a way of illustration, there was a man who had just gotten married and he was actually returning home with his wife. Him and his wife were crossing a lake in a boat and as they're crossing the lake in the boat a storm a great a great storm arises and this man was actually a warrior the woman was not but the woman became very much afraid because it seemed almost hopeless the boat was small the storm was very big and at any moment they were going to be drowned by the storm the waves were going to overtake them But the man, this warrior, he sat quietly, he sat calmly as he was in the boat with his wife. The woman was trembling and she said, are you not afraid? This may be our last moment of life. It doesn't seem that we're going to reach the other shore. Only some miracle is going to save us. Otherwise, death is certain. Are you not afraid? Are you mad or something? Are you a stone or something? Is what she's saying to her husband. The man laughed and he took the sword out of his sheath. The woman was even more puzzled what he was about to do. And what he did was he took the naked sword to her neck and it was so close that just a small gap was between the sword and her neck. It was almost touching. And he said, Are you afraid? She started to laugh. She said, Why should I be afraid? The sword is in your hands. Why should I be afraid? I know that you love me. He put the sword back and he said, This is my answer. I know that God loves me and the storm is in his hands. In our text, we're about to read, the disciples are in the boat with Jesus. They're crossing the lake. Same scenario. There's a great storm that arises. And the focus of the sermon is going to be on Jesus was in the boat with the disciples. Matthew chapter 8, 23 through 27 in the New Living Translation. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Jesus responds, why are you so afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Jesus in your boat. I want to look firstly tonight at Jesus In your boat, in life, every single one of us in this place, we are set a sail on the boat of life. Inevitably, there will be storms, some bigger than others. Verse 23 of our text says, Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. If you are a Christian, you have Jesus in your boat. In other words, Jesus Christ is involved in your life. That means there's somebody greater than you that is in your boat. God is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere at once. God is not confined to, to time such as we are. God can see the past, he can see the present, and he can see the future. He has the bird's eye view, the overall picture of what's going on. And through him we find guidance, protection, peace... Victory in a correct perspective while in these uncomfortable circumstances of life without getting into detail what a storm is is an uncomfortable circumstance of life, a situation that again is uncomfortable or causing pain. In the Bible, we're told by Jesus himself that he's leaving his church. These are his children, the church. He's leaving them with a gift. John 14, verse 27, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is not a gift the world, or the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. Jesus knew there would be troubles. He knew that there would be things that would cause us or tempt us to be afraid, tempt us to fear. In our lives. But when we trust in Him for who He is, we receive this gift of internal peace, a peace that guards, surrounds our hearts and our minds what He promised. And that peace gets us through those times. As the warrior, he sat calmly in the midst of uncertainty. We can also stay calm in uncertain times as we trust in God. And know that he is in our boat. We need to understand the world. They do not have the benefit that the Christian has. They don't have Jesus in their boat. The world is society organized without God. They may have or look like they have a structure to their lives. Although they lack God in their boat. In the storm it comes and their house falls. So who does the storm run to in those times? Who does the, or who does the 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 person of the world run to in those times? Their god which is the world. You're either living for Jesus Christ or you're living for the world. There's no find, there's no in between. It's one or the other. The world when going through a storm, they run to things of the world. What that looks like? Drugs, alcohol, Material possessions, medications, uh, false religion, psychologists, therapists, get help books, self-help books. That's what the world runs to. That's the pathetic hope that our world has to run to. The Christian rather can place their trust in God that no matter what the circumstances, there's absolutely nothing that is outside of His sovereign control. Jeremiah 32 and verse 17 says, Oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. If the God who made the heavens and the earth is in your boat, then essentially there is nothing to worry about. This creates within us, with this understanding, a spirit of valor, which means to possess great courage in the face of danger. That's what valor means. Many of the men in the Bible who were God's warriors were called mighty men of valor. These were courageous men. These were men who trusted God for the victory. If you were a man in Joshua's day, you'd probably be in the war, a courageous man fighting on God's team for his will, his purposes, and your trust would be in God for the victory. As Christians, we are to be courageous as we face storms of life and believe God for the victory and for his help. And then because God loves us and has our best interest at mind, he will strengthen us and he will help us through. In the illustration, the warrior, he asked his wife if she was afraid as he held the, st- the sword to her neck that could kill her in a second. She said, no, because the weapon's in your hands and I know that you love me. In other words, I know that you are in control because you love me, and you won't let it kill me. God has control over the storm. The Bible tells us there's nothing, absolutely zero, that can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 38-39. Paul, he's completely sold out, he's completely convinced. He says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Absolutely nothing can separate us from God's love. Let's look secondly at reacting To the storm, our reactions to these uncomfortable situations that we go through in our lives can make us or they can break us. Verse 24 through 25 says, Suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. The King James Version says that there was a great tempest. A great tempest was a violent storm. This wasn't any little pipsqueak. This was the big dog. The disciples were feeling this storm. This storm was physically going to kill them. And it was spiritually all up in their hearts, creating panic and wreaking, wreaking havoc like storms try to do. They They said, we're about to drown. In other words, we're going to die. Verse 26-27, Jesus responds, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up, and he rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Jesus calming the storm demonstrated a few things. It... What it did was it proved that he is the sovereign Lord who has power even over nature. It proved that all of creation is under his rule and there's absolutely nothing that he can't do. It also strengthened the belief of his followers that he is the Messiah and in his personal care as the Savior. And what else it did? It it gave to all generations, including us here tonight, a picture of his care and power, his care and power to deliver through the storms of life. The disciples were told that they had... Little faith by the way that they reacted to this storm that they were in while Jesus was in their boat. Jesus responds in verse 26 saying, Why are you so afraid you have so little faith? Before Jesus and the disciples were in the boat, the disciples witnessed Jesus doing many miracles, many different things that were proving who he said he was, who he claimed to be, the Messiah. All the prophets speaking about him, he's On earth, he's preaching with authority and he's healing, proving who he is. Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And right after he came down the mountainside at the beginning of chapter 8 in the book of Matthew, he healed a man who came to him asking for healing from leprosy. He then returns to Capernaum where the Roman officer meets him and says, My young servant... Needs a healing miracle. Can you heal them? And we know that Jesus heals that servant. Then Jesus arrives at Peter's house. He sees Peter's mother-in-law needs a miracle of healing. He heals her. The same evening many brought to Jesus people possessed by demons and people that were sick And Jesus cast out the spirits and he heals the sick. Jesus showed time and time again that he had dominion over any circumstance. But as we see in the text, the disciples were afraid they went into a panic. Maybe they'd forgotten in the moment the significance who was in their boat with them, or maybe they, you know, thought that, okay, maybe Jesus can do all that he did back there, but certainly he can't have control over this storm that we are, are in. The truth is, there is not a storm too big. That God cannot handle. We see all throughout the Bible. God calming storms and doing miraculous things. Things that undoubtedly reveal that he is sovereign. The king of all with power over each and every single storm. Jesus' response. His response of you have so little faith. Tells us that faith is the cure to many things that wreak havoc in our hearts. Faith would be the right reaction to have. The disciples, they had a little bit of faith, although Jesus went, or Jesus wanted to show them that they can trust him, even in the worst of circumstances, because he still had control over even those. When going through a rough season, it's good to recognize, and it's good to realize, it's good to recognize That the God you serve sits on the highest throne in heaven. He oversees all things, possessing all power. And it's good to realize that that same God is in your boat, helping you and making sure that you are not going through it alone. I think a good thing to contend for is an even though I will type of faith. Even though this is an oppressive Season that I find myself in I will still believe God to calm the storm and get me through I don't have to have all the dots connected or know every single thing because I can't and that's uh, God's That's God's um dealing but I can attack and say even though this is a Crazy season that I'm in I will still read my Bible I will still come to church and hear the word of God. I will still share my faith. I will still have communication and pray to God through this time. That would be a healthy reaction to have. Faith is also a language that we speak. Steve preached last week. He preached on the power of words. Words have power. We know words are spiritual. What your language reaction or what is your language reaction? in the storm is it is it nothing but negativity is it anything that does not edify one going through the storm the bible says in proverbs 18:21 the tongue can bring death or life those who love to talk will reap the consequences words are spiritual and if we're not speaking the language of faith but instead doubt and unbelief how can we expect god To help us through uncomfortable circumstances. What faith is. Faith is believing God. To do what he said in his word. That he would do. That's what faith is. So let's look lastly tonight. At shifting perspective. God is able. To give us the right perspective. Through uncomfortable circumstances. Or storms of life. Verse 27 The disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him. Jesus once again was revealing to his disciples that he was who he claimed to be. He proved to them that there was no need to fear because of who they had in their boat. They witnessed him healing people, casting out devils. But now they see him take dominion over the elements right before their eyes. At this point, there could be absolutely no speck of doubt, no speck of unbelief in their hearts, otherwise they'd be in delusion because they literally just seen Him take dominion over the storm. The right perspective that comes first through having a knowledge foundation of who God is and what He has already done. All throughout the Bible, He's done many things to deliver His people out of the storm and give them the victory. It's very good to know the Bible because... You know the history. You can hear testimonies. David said, I've never seen a man's children begging bread because God is a provider. His promises. This is who He is. He's a miraculous God. A wonderful God. And He can do mighty things. And He's done it time and time again. Over and over and over again. All throughout the generations of people. All up until this point. Our generation that we live in here. He is still doing miracles on earth today. And what the storm can do sometimes is block us from seeing the miracles. We live in Rochester, New York. It's chaos everywhere. I work in the city. I see it day by day. But if I'm fixed on what's all the negatives of our city, instead of, um, I like how Heimberg put it, falling in love with the insanity of your city, having that perspective, having the perspective to, to be able to still see God Move and be able to do something, or just seeing in the future that God is, or having trust and faith that God can absolutely change things in a different opposite direction than they're going. So, in the Bible, we've seen, if you read the history, God sent ten plagues to Pharaoh and part of the Red Sea to free his children. He called He caused enemy armies to be confused and start to war against each other. He caused the sun, the moon, to stand still as a result of Joshua's prayer while Israel defeated the Amorites. God was and he is still committed to his people. Hebrews 13 and verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did then for his people is what he will do now For his people. To give us the correct perspective, God uses a process called sanctification. What that means is to be set apart, set apart from the world's faithless and godless perspective. He gives us a new perspective, a new pair of glasses, a new lens to see the world through. This process. Of being set apart to be more Christ-like, it can be uncomfortable and it can be faith testing. Many, many times God will He'll allow us to go through the storm, to mold us, to shape us, and create us into the right uh, to have the right perspective. Tonight we are at the potter's house, what goes down in the potter's house as you come in you get molded into a beautiful clay jar and you leave this place that's the intention to come in this place one way and leave a different way every single one of us you know once came in is a piece of uh clay and what God does he gets working in our lives a process of sanctification and from the day you give your life you bow your knee to Jesus Christ that process begins now God is setting you apart you're not who you used to be that chunk of clay, he takes it, he molds it, he paints it, shapes it into his beautiful creation. Now that process is not going to stop until the day of Christ Jesus returns, but that is going to be a process every single day, God working in us, revealing things in our hearts that we need to deal with, and just helping us through storms. And um, a few weeks back, Yanni preached a sermon called Faith Produces Patience, and the scripture he used gives us a correct perspective. He used James 1, 2 through 2-4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. Needing nothing. In our text, the disciples' faith was tested. Were they going to trust Jesus, that he had it all under control, or were they going, going to go into a panic? In our text, it also says Jesus was sleeping, and he didn't wake up in a panic because of the storm. There's a calm, or that's as calm as it gets. All right, Jesus didn't wake up. And go in all chaos that there was a storm. He was sleeping. He woke up. He sees the storm. He knows who he is and that he has power over it. And so he remains calm. And if Jesus is calm and unworried by the storm uh, in our life, then we should mimic that, that attitude. Like, like being on an airplane. If I'm on an airplane, you know, I'm, I'm already nervous. I'm on an airplane. My eyes are fixed on the flight attendant the entire time. Okay, If they're calm, I'm calm. If they're cool, I'm cool. If they freak out, I freak out. If they panic, I panic. That's how it is on a plane because I'm not in control. I like to be in control of what I'm driving, and I'm not, so I'm nervous. So I look to them. If they're cool, then I'm cool in an uncertain time that I'm in. So our focus should be on... What God is doing, not what he's not doing. That's an important line right there. Our focus should be on what God is doing, not what he's not doing. Philippians 1 and verse 6 says, And I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished, on the day when Christ Jesus returns the process of sanctification will continue storms of all sizes will come about in life and through it all we can take joy that Jesus Christ Jesus Christ is in our boats like every head bowed and every eye closed here tonight now you know i preached about jesus being in the boat of the christian's life being involved in a christian's life and to be a christian means that you have you have realized you have concluded that you desperately need a savior okay you need somebody greater than yourself to enter into your boat to enter into your life And like I said before, you are either living for Jesus Christ or you are either living for the world. There's no in-between. I want to tell you that you can have a brand new start. The Bible says that all those in Christ are a brand new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. That is a new start. And what that is called, it's called being Born again, not physically because that's impossible, but spiritually. Born again, starting a brand new start with a Savior whom every single one of us desperately needs. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ has power to cleanse our conscience from dead works. The blood of Jesus was shed for us so that we can be completely cleansed. And it all boils down to a decision. A decision to say, Jesus, I have taken control of my own life and I confess that I have gone against your word and I need you. I need your forgiveness. I accept the sacrifice on the cross for my sin. You paid the penalty for my sin and I'm asking you to change me. It all boils down to that decision. Like we said before, our words have power. That is a spiritual transaction happens when you speak that. God enters your heart and begins a process called sanctification. You will not be the person that you once were. Today is the day of salvation. There is no greater time to give your life to Jesus Christ than the first time that your mind lays on that idea. So if you're here tonight, every head is bowed, every eye is closed in this place. You're not saved. But you want to, you want to accept Jesus into your life. You want to receive that forgiveness. I'm going to ask you, if you would signify that with an uplifted hand right now, all across this place. Signify that to God, that you want to Dedicate your life to Him and live for Him. I just want to pray with you at the altar. Really quickly now. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you once walked with God, but you strayed away. And you want to rededicate your life to God. How many would there be in this place? You want to make a decision. Praise God. Speaking to Christians, then, we desperately need Jesus Christ in our boat in, the, in that. That's a process, okay? That's a process of continually dedicating our lives to God, bowing our knee to Him. And, and the only way we draw closer to God is through practical things, very practical principles of the Bible, which is praying to God, communication, obviously coming to church to hear the Word of God, and uh, reading your Bible practical things that draw us closer that strengthen our faith and uh, shift and change our perspective to be fixed on him I'm going to open the altars, let's stand we're going to sing a song I'm going to open these altars come and pray, lay hold of God I speak. What is on your heart? You can be real with
0: God and pour out your heart to Him. And renew a right spirit within me. Strong and the soul of life, God, that you bless them in every single heart in this place. from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and renew a right spirit within me. Let's lift up our praise to God right now. Oh Jesus, we give you all the praise, God.